0: Okay, uh, so we're here today with Joe Lucibello, who is the lead data scientist at What If Media Group. Um, and Joe is here to talk with us about uh, the importance of culture and building culture uh, in and around data scientists. Uh, so Joe, thanks for coming on. And if you wanna maybe just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, about what you do at What If Media Group, just sort of things like that. Thanks, thanks for having me again. Uh, my name is Joe Lucibello, lead data scientist at
1: What If Media Group. Um, I'm very excited to be here to talk about culture and culture around data science. Uh, What If Media Group is an interactive advertisement and email list management company. Um, We have a data science team of anywhere from five to eight people, depending on the quarter. Um, We have specifically uh, three to four data scientists and three to four members of uh, business intelligence that sit under data science as well, Um, call them data science adjacent. My background is in economics. I got a master's from University of Connecticut um, in 2014, um, and I did my undergraduate at Stanford University. Um, my team uh, makeup um, is pretty diverse. Uh, we have engineers um, that are now data scientists. Um, we have statisticians that are now data scientists. We have uh, failed economists like myself that are now data scientists, and people fresh out of school. Um, so we have a pretty diverse what diverse uh, thinking trains we'll call them. Um, We try to, as an advertising company, um, we try to predict um, what's the right advertisement to feed to the right person at the right time via the right channel. Um, That's sort of our goal with all the projects we undertake. Um, We try to do it in an efficient manner. Um, Data science isn't always the most efficient way. Um, So as a startup, we tend to run lean and try to um, essentially what we call internally uh, 80, 20, some projects and make sure we're touching on the most important things with, um, essentially the least amount of effort, um, data scientists know that least amount of effort isn't always the uh, proper way to describe coding up something, uh, very (laughs) complicated. Um, but that's what we do internally and that's sort of
0: our, our vision, um, on a day to day. All right. Thanks Joe. And I think, um, you know, since we're going to be talking about culture, it sounds like you're kind of hinting at some of these ideas already. I mean, having a a team with you know diverse backgrounds in the sort of their subject areas, you know, bringing different ideas to the plate. Um, knowing, like you said, that you know sometimes the most complicated data science thing isn't the best approach. Um, that's certainly something that you know our teams like to keep in mind, and sometimes have to push back about. You know, yes, neural network sounds cool. No, we don't need it to predict this or that thing necessarily, right let's uh you know, let's not bring a i don't know a sword to a knife fight or something. I don't know um, but so but so I guess getting a little bit more into this idea of you know when you say like uh you know team culture culture in the workplace here like what are what are you really talking about as it pertains to data science?
1: Yeah, so you know. Data science is such an interesting discipline that uh, as you alluded to, like the idea of prediction is so important. Um, And I always tell my team um, story about how I got into driving predictings, um, which was building a tennis match predicting algorithm. Um, I am full-time employed right now, which means that tennis match predicting algorithm did not work uh, well. (laughs) So, you know, the idea of culture and the idea of learning um, is very important right like not every prediction model not every data science task you undertake is going to be financially successful but establishing goals along the way that can make the project successful that can make the model successful that can make what we call internally the playbook successful um, is very important and internally at what if media group we try to think about the playbook to a data science model so we're tackling this problem that exists within the company Um, we try to sort of check off the boxes from, uh, you know, least to most effort from a modeling perspective, um, and then understand what are touchstones along the way that we can hit such that this project will be successful, even if the prediction itself isn't successful. Sometimes, um, some of the best data science projects are are doomed from the beginning just because we don't have the right data points to, um, to predict accurately. Um, But that doesn't mean in one year you won't have those data points. So having that playbook, having that documentation to come back to and say, gee, this is something we did last year. What we were really missing were, you know, the number of left handed people in the pool. And now we have that number. So let's start using it Um, and and being able to refer to set and being able to successfully accomplish a project without the financial implications sometimes is the most important thing.
0: All right, so I think we'll have a few things we'll be getting into here. I think sort of, you know, within teams, uh, between teams and other stakeholders. And um, and I really like this idea of the, um, the playbook, uh, sort of how it pertains to, you know, uh, success along the way uh, of a project that may or may not, you know, come to fruition the way we hope. Um, and, you know, I often hear and often talk about sort of this, um, you know, sort of building up or sort of forwards approach, you know, of having some foresight when we're working on a project. Um what do we think we can get along the way? You know, maybe so that's okay, well we don't have the predictive model yet, but we have some meaningful, you know, descriptive statistics, some good visualizations to help maybe more coarse-grained decision making. Um, and you know, we, we might find at some point we we have to switch to something more urgent. Of course we're always, you know, seems like we'll be halfway to you know some really cool ambitious thing and now we're putting out fires somewhere else. So that's of course i'm I'm sure part of it, but um, you know, like you said we we want to make sure that we still get something meaningful and valuable and, and learn something and I think like the playbook's a really interesting idea that way um, if we have to change our course along along the way. so I mean, it sounds like the playbook has this kind of hindsight approach that you're bringing into um, and I think probably for for many people in our roles um it's not it doesn't always sound that fun to look back on how something went and try to to piece it pick it apart and maybe more pointedly it doesn't always sound that fun to write documentation or something um but i certainly think it sounds very very valuable so could you talk a little bit about you know when you and your team uh you know the way that you implement this playbook like sort of what does this process look like maybe at a more Implementation level, or, or you know, how do you, how do you make sure you know it, it contains like what you what you really need in the future? Yeah, so um,
1: there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack here. I think something we often think about, um, you know, the hindsight approach is is exactly right. At the same time, sometimes you need to do the hindsight approach at the beginning um, and try to think critically about where you want to be in three months. So. Specifically, I'm thinking about an internal project that is extremely long-term in nature. Um, So sort of, we don't have that ability to say, okay, when this project's over, where do we want to sit? But we do have the ability to say, where are we in one year? And what would be considered a success in one year? What are the technical things we can accomplish in the next year that would be positive? What are the non-technical things we can accomplish uh, and it would be positive? And what what is like, High in the sky, everything goes right from a data science point of view and from an automation technical point of view that we we would be very happy about. So I think it's important to set achievable goals. Obviously, you know, honest timelines are are always important. Um, I think all of us as data scientists are extremely ambitious and want to say that this neural network you're building is going to take two weeks. Um, We know that's not true. Um, So, you know, setting correct timelines. Um, and I don't mean timelines in the sense of I'm going to have something done in four weeks. Um, you know, we have in this specific project, a model submodel build, and we know that a specific submodel will take about three weeks to get, uh, trained up and integrated into the final model. Um, do we have a specific number of submodels that we want to add? We don't, but we have an understanding of. If we have to slightly pivot, how long that would take? Um, what are the things we want to learn along the way? And how to um, marry that up with accompanying teams that are working on the project? So I think, uh, you know, like you said, the hindsight approach, but doing the hindsight approach at the beginning, you know, if, if we pictured ourselves one year ahead um, and we were in this position, how would we feel? How would it feel from a company point of view? How would it feel from a project management point of view? Um, I think looking at the different perspectives and sort of evaluating—it's um, almost like a game theoretical approach—about evaluating the potential places you can be. You know, a lot of times I try to make those calculations in my head of, okay, there's you know a thirty percent chance that we absolutely knock this out of a, out of the park um, and it's done in a month. You know, there's a forty percent chance that we get nowhere in two months. Um, and if that 40% chance happens, what can we take away from this project that is valuable? You know, um, Like I said earlier, a simple example is not having the right data points. It's not always that simple, but uh, when that happens, it's very nice to look back at your playbook and say, oh, I see how I coded this one up. I see all the metadata I brought in. How can I alter that and run it through that same playbook that will get positive results this time? Mm-hmm.
0: sure um and i i think the this sort of uh future hindsight or you know sort of like projecting yourself so that at some point so you can like look, look backwards from some hypothetical um that sounds very valuable for you know communicating with you know i suppose other teams right because it's um i think it's it's hard to work on the same timeline or time scale as as other teams and you know when when you're a data scientist because like you said there's so much uncertainty and how these procedures can go i mean there's uh i mean I just really an aspect of you know like digging into the unknown here right so um so that's a really unique perspective i think uh not just setting sort of project level or content level milestones like we want to get this done we want to get this done but um but finding a more probably honest and productive way of communicating uh you know what do we do at this point what do we do at this point or what we hope to have done um and i could imagine you know that too can instill uh you know a spirit of of curiosity and and positivity among your data scientists too so they they know that they don't have to like they can think big, but they know they're not necessarily bound to things as long as they have like a good game plan. Yeah, I- exactly. And we do something internally.
1: Uh, it's a little cheating on my part, but I'll, I'll know some projects are about to come down the pipeline. Um, and the data scientists on my team, I'll meet with them and say like, Hey, this thing is coming up, like you should kind of pre-scope this so you can look at the data, look at, think about what you might want to do. Um, so you understand rough timelines, so that when you do hit the unknown, like, unless you're running into the abyss, um, and, you know, you do hit the unknown, it's not going to be that unknown to you, you already know a piece of it, um, so, like, you know, it's funny that that constant line of communication that, you know, sitting in the project meetings, sitting in vision meetings, and thinking about how data science can help something, um, you know, these projects don't come out of thin air, they start somewhere, they start with some discussions, um, and really, Able to pre scope that, saying, "Gee, I remember, uh, you know, one of my team members' name is Anthony. Anthony, I remember you talking about this idea last year. Um, do you think we could reapply it to this new concept that's coming up?" And you know, maybe he'll say to me, "Yeah, that's an absolute home run. Let's let's run with it." Or like, uh, "I need some time to think about it. Let me look at the data. Let me review my documentation um, and see if we can come up with anything." And, and and that allows me to sort of steer the initial timelines in the right direction. And set correct expectations.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And it, it. And again, this is I think pointing us more towards, um, you know, as we start talking more about the culture of, of bringing in or, I don't know, getting like effective communication with, with the other teams too. Um, and, uh, you know, and you know, you know, like the importance of of sitting in on these meetings. Um, you know, hearing like what these projects are about. You know, not just what we're asked to do, but um, what we're actually trying to solve. Right. So. So not, okay, how can I do this thing you're asking me to do the way you ask me, but so maybe probably sometimes how can we together like rework what you're asking in terms of what you're really looking for?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, culture in general, like is this amorphous blob sometimes, but the idea at What If Media Group that the data science team isn't on an island and it's not like, hey, uh, hey, folks, like let's go, you know, go figure it out and come back to us, Um, you know, to quote um, a poor performing NFL team um, and their general manager, Dave Gettleman. um, He called the data, uh, the data team there, the computer boys, um, which I knew right away that those people work in a box. Um, If someone in management wants to ignore them, they can. Uh, That's not our situation. You know, uh, the data science team sits in a larger um, group at What If Media Group, and there are non-data science components to that, to that department as well. And one thing data science does is education to make sure that the other teams inside that department intimately understand what we're doing. Like, no, they don't have to code in Python or spin up, you know, um, Jupiter notebook and, and, and do some work, but they should understand generally the idea of, inputs, outputs, um, that a bunch of (laughs) fancy math happens in the middle. Um, There's data cleaning, um, you know, and what the abilities we have are, the idea of feature importance versus coefficients, things of that sort. Um, And then the other other thing that spawns from that is their motivation to participate. So as a data scientist, as anybody who works in data, um, we've all experienced this where you get a project, you look at the SQL table, you look at the CSV file, and all these data points are there. And you're like, oh, I think I think column F means this. Um, and turns out it means something totally different. Um, whereas it would if Media Group data science will scope out the project, talk about these features, someone will say like outside of it, say, hey, that's actually not what that is. Actually, this is, you know, um the column that says lefties isn't number of left-handed people, it's number of, you know, left finger mouse clicks or something of that sort. And it's totally different. Um, And those are things that we work through constantly. And it's the idea that the data scientists are able to tinker with that stuff and the rest of the department is able to say, gee, um, I know what you're trying to do. It's not exactly that. But how can we use this in an effective manner um, and get good results from it? So it goes both ways, both data science informing other teams of what we're doing, how we're doing it, and get them a basic understanding. And the other team saying that a data scientist, gee, I see where you're going with this. But, uh, from a business point of view, it's actually slightly different, so th- it's a uh, it's a good uh, give and take there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that education is a a two way street um, and you know it, it's it's been my experience that uh, you know a lot of the time the you know you, you can get a lot of the sort of domain experience uh, on the job and in these you know these conversations, project meetings. Um, more unstructured way but but oftentimes it's very helpful to set aside some formalized um you know structured time for uh for going over like these general data science ideas because it's to as as i found and you know as someone who uh you know spends a lot of time actually like teaching data science courses and also like kind of carrying out these projects um the ideas apply but it's hard to talk about them in general when you're in a specific project so i think that sounds very helpful
1: yeah, and and, then, and with that being said, the nomenclature is so important, right? Like the, the words you use to describe things like whether it's model or training data or, you know, independent variable versus deep standard variable, like getting that basic understanding, maybe not company-wide, but department-wide and, and the parties that you're working closely with that are non-data science is so important and it allows you to speak the same language. It allows you to break down uh, misunderstandings that might occur, um, you know, for- in that same submodel model model structure um, we have sub models that you know just they almost like don't add up right um, this business has existed for many years without data science very successfully um, so the people on the business point of view intimately understand what drives revenue and what what does a very good job and from a data science point of view sometimes we'll spin up these models and they're just not completely contrary to what they believe um which those are always fun too but they're just they don't prove one way or the other um and that's usually the instance where we say like data science says hey this thing you told me that was important isn't important why um and that's their opportunity you know gee that left-handed click left left uh left handers example i keep giving that that column is just incorrect. Um, you're not capturing it in the correct manner which we think about it. So it's it's awesome to have sort of that two-way street and honestly, it's it's super helpful as a data scientist to be able to lean on so many like subject matter experts in the area and, and just honestly ask stupid questions and get the answers we want.
0: Right, absolutely. Um... Definitely, definitely no stupid questions. And that that nomenclature thing is is big too because it's um it's so important to be able to get on the same page as someone, but it can be so um, you know, trying to establish like common terminology can be um, you know, I, I find can be like sort of alienating by the same token. It can be welcoming, right? Because you don't want to be pedantic, you don't want to be every time someone says variable, you're like feature or like, you know, label, uh output, you know, all these kinds of things. And so uh you know, I I found that, um, you know, kind of spending that, that time abstract away a little bit from, you know, the projects, just doing the the more, I think, like, generalized kind of educations is very welcoming that way. So someone can, can say, okay, they're not just being, um, you know, they're not just trying to correct me and, and make me feel or sound dumb or like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's a reason that we have to deal with all these, like, almost frustratingly specific terms sometimes.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you know, uh and a, a good example of that is last week. Uh we spent data science spent about an hour and a half talking about multicollinearity. Um and then we introduced the idea outside of data science. Um and multicollinearity is probably top three most annoying words you'll ever hear in your life. Um so I think when everybody heard it, their eyes glazed over. But then, when we began describing what it is and how it's a problem, it reduced, uh, you know, the amount of words needed to use to describe what's going on from a to one single word. Um, right, and it's right. like, wow, that's a problem that's pervasive, not just in this project but elsewhere. Um, and that's exactly the example you are giving where it's like, you just you don't want to be correcting language for the sake of correcting language, but if you had to describe linearity every time you'd be you know taking some Advil every single day. So you know you you want to be able to use
0: the correct terms
1: to be efficient
0: and effective uh company wide.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and being able to, you know, teach or share those terms through an example like that. So someone sees the connection they're like, oh now now this is about me or us or our thing, uh, you know, then they feel like uh you know they're brought into it yeah, so I, you know i I definitely think multicollinearity is uh, one of those big, scary words. And you know I, I come from a like a pure stats background um, uh, in like my my graduate work. So you know there would be a lot of these kinds of like uh, very, very specific, fun, scary sounding words. Another favorite of mine is a uh, you know, show up in a meeting and try to talk about heteroscedasticity. That's gonna go very well.
1: There's some mix of like, autocorrelation, heteroscedasticity, and multicollinearity that I confuse every single time. And I try to be honest about that with not only my team, but the other departments like talking about these big scary words. And I'm like, you know, these are things that I forget from time to time too. And I have to look up and like, it's okay. If you don't know what it is, just, you know, Google it or ask the question afterwards. And, you know, last week when we were talking about, um, multicollinearity, I had to look up autocorrelation again and be like, what was it like? How are these similar? Or is this just a nightmare from um my time in a PhD program that I'm remembering? So um, it's you know, it's funny, but also that idea of learning, that idea of
0: sharing knowledge and the idea of sharing nomenclature so mm-hmm. And you know, maybe uh, to to piggyback off of one of those ideas and maybe taking this in a little bit different direction. Uh, That idea of you don't always have to know everything off the top of your head. Um, This is something I found very meaningful. I mean, in my work, working with like the other data scientists and instructors, um, and and also working with the people, you know, who I am teaching data science to, um, is that this is not a subject where you should be expected to, or where anyone is able to memorize everything. Um, you know, I I try to say that a, you know, probably the the skill you should be looking for most is how can I get really good at Googling what I actually need, get really good at uh, you know, which one of those uh I don't know, stack overflow links is the one I actually need. And if I need four of them put together, how do I start assembling that? Um that can be kind of hard to instill and I, I think it doesn't always it's not always clear immediately like maybe what I mean when I say that or or why that's so important. But, um, you know, I found that, that that's a big part of making people feel, you know, like not intimidated or like there's, you know, less like there's so much they don't know and more like there's always so much to learn, which is, I think a much more exciting way to think about it.
1: Yeah. The, the positive spin on it's so, so important. And, and And that goes back to like the culture of learning and the culture of accepting that, you're not going to know everything. I mean, that's why I love my team's um, sort of heterogeneity and background, um, you know, between the statisticians that can, com- you know, computer engineers, um, uh, business intelligence and econ backgrounds versus um, statisticians. It's just, there is a bucket of each of those that can be leveraged, you know, and then there's countless amounts of blogs that you'll read that um, you'll find the coolest thing and want to implement it. Um, my best example was, you know, um, I spend a good time reading data science blogs because it, you know, he's just constantly learning, constantly learning these new ideas and I learned something about anomaly detection and I don't think I've stopped talking about anomaly detection since like I was able to toy around with it at my you know, job four years ago. I brought it to my new job um, two years ago, and then I brought it to What If Media Group, too. It's not a new idea by any means, but it's this topic that I've learned that we're just constantly reapplying with new data sets and constantly reapplying from, like, an alerts point of view, from a this thing is on fire point of view to this thing is performing way better than we expected. So the idea of learning and, and just instilling that in my team, like, um, certain people learn from... Um, documentation much better did engineers specifically are always fantastic at breaking down documentation, understanding what it is versus I'm the type of person that likes to go to the university of Google and find a page on stack overflow and learn what I'm doing wrong and try it out. Um, you know, different backgrounds, different manners of learning and just, just, you're right. That idea of we're learning together. We're learning. It's okay if you don't know something. Um, Someone else somewhere does, and we'll learn more about it.
0: Sure, and you know, and it's helpful too to, you know, with those variety of sources um, to, you know, not just to learn some, like, sometimes to, like, learn a new way of talking about something through those sources. So I I know a lot of people who are, you know, very comfortable with, uh, like, peer-reviewed academic journals talking about the most cutting-edge, you know, everything, um, which are extremely opaque in terms of how they're written and how they're read. So Uh, you know, I often encourage people to, all right, like, I know that you understand this, but read a few, you know, more general audience, like blog posts, see how people talk about this. See if any of this really actually challenges your assumptions of how much you think, you know, because a lot of the times, you know, I, I find that to really understand something is to be able to explain it to just about anybody.
1: It goes back to the old, uh, office quote of michael scott why don't don't you explain to me like i'm five um that's basically it i mean you know i I, the question used to always be um in college i don't know why college always hit on this but like if you had to go home and explain to your parents what you were learning what would you tell them i'm like gee i don't know um but but now like i think it's so important to be able to speak the same same language and you know Inside my company, like one of my accountabilities is to build that bridge between data science and the rest of the company, right? Like, they—I'm lucky to work at a place that they had a strong desire to not have data science sit in a box somewhere else, um, and just do things and listen when they want, and they want data science to actually participate company-wide in initiatives and and think critically about ongoing initiatives and things of that sort. So I'm I'm very lucky to have stepped in a culture that um, already had that built, um, you know. So acting as that bridge was a little bit easier to me, um, but it's definitely important anywhere you work.
0: You know, maybe just any final you know pieces of advice to someone who is you know looking to instill or you know continue driving uh, this type of culture, whether they are data scientists or you know very data adjacent um or maybe budding data scientists like what would you say to these people i definitely would advocate to not be afraid
1: um, i think from a large point of view uh you know sort of a macro try new things you know in your careers and see if they work I, you know i advocate for that this is coming from a person that um you know exited two phd programs um and then now a data scientist um you know not being afraid to try new things on a macro level and also a micro level like from a day-to-day there's so much code that I have stored in places that I'm just like oh, I remember I was trying to go down that path for this thing and it just never actually worked Um, comfortable failure and be comfortable in trying new things and seeing if they're gonna work if they don't work um, you know the idea of I was an athlete growing up and The idea of moral victories and actual victories, and that kind of applies to data science, not so much moral, but in the documentation sense, right? Um, We can succeed and win in this project if it makes a lot of money and we do it all the time. Um, We can succeed and also take a win away if we build the proper process and build the proper playbook um, to run again if it doesn't work out. Um, Financial impact uh, of zero, you know, so, not being afraid to learn, not being afraid to be wrong and fail, that's so, so important. And just keep picking yourself back up and trying again.
0: Just thanks again. Um, It's been a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, Thank you for having me.